Are you struggling to hire diverse tech talent? After all, every organization in the world is now a tech company. And the ability to attract, hire, and retain tech talent from all backgrounds is critical to their success. Enter Hackajob, a reverse marketplace that actively vets engineers. We flip the traditional model on its head, meaning companies apply to engineers versus candidates applying to jobs, with companies getting an 85% response rate to candidates they reach out to, as well as exposure to tech talent that directly meets their organization's diversity objectives. Companies such as S&P Global, CarMax, and Sensor Tower are all using Hackajob. Why not join them? Go to hackajob.com slash cheese to get your free 30-day trial today. Go to hackajob.com slash cheese to get your free 30-day trial today. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. It's not a blog. It's a social media platform, everybody. Welcome to the Chad and Cheese Podcast, Earthlings. I'm your co-host, Joel, still banned on Facebook, Cheeseman. And I'm Chad, bear down, so wash. And on this week's show, Indeed Perplexes, Facebook Workplace flexes and base camp, more like face plant. Am I right? Buckle up. You know, Steve, it feels like we keep getting pushed to hire more and better candidates with no more budget. Right. I wish there was a way to get better results from what we're doing. Actually, I heard in an episode of Chad and Cheese about this framework from Jobvine. Oh, yeah, Evolve. It's a technology agnostic framework to help TA teams get better results from their recruiting efforts. And we don't even have to be a Jobvite customer to use it. I bet we would get better results if we orchestrated all of our efforts. You mean like a centralized process and all of our channels working together? For sure. Whether it's job boards, social, or even texting with candidates. Let's do that. Jobvite.com forward slash evolve. I'll send you the link. Cool. I'm going to finish watching this episode of Bridgerton. And you still haven't seen Bridgerton, have you? I have not. Have <laughs> you watched Chad yet? I have not. Well, there you go. You watch Chad and I'll watch an episode of Bridgerton. <laughs> I'm not watching Bridgerton. <laughs> right after I watched Downton Abbey. <laughs> no, I thought no. it was Downtown Abbey forever. And I saw a billboard in New York City. And I was like, oh, God, Downtown Abbey's hot. And my wife goes, it's Downton Abbey. <laughs> but yes, watch Chad. Damn it. It's funny. Yes, we, we, I, I want to start off right out of the gate saying yep. I have, I've always liked the Chicago Bears because of Walter Payton, because <laughs> of the fridge, because I mean, when we grew up, right, in 85. Oh, the shuffle. Oh, yeah, the, the shuffle. Super Bowl shuffle. I mean, all those things. Jim McMahon wearing the sunglasses. I mean, Ditka. It, all SNL those. Yeah, skits. Ditka. Yeah. But I have to say that a big shout out right out of the gate to the Chicago Bears during the NFL draft. Our our boy, Justin Fields, I love this kid. He fell down the ranks. He's like the probably the number one or number two pick athlete-wise, pick-wise throughout the entire draft. He fell to number 11 due to uh, information coming out that he had he has epilepsy. Now, now this kid has been QB one since high school. I'm talking about nationwide QB one. Well, technically one B after Trevor Lawrence, but okay. 
in high school, he was one. In college, maybe two, one or two, right, depending on the team. And he fell down 11. And and he's never had problems, quote unquote, problems with the epilepsy because he takes his meds and he stays on his regiment. So, I mean, this is this is a big thing. The kid has a disability, right? But he is a monster. 6'3", 225 pounds, has a rocket for a fucking arm. Good on the uh, Chicago Bears. I can't wait to watch. On the Bears. And now you have Rodgers wanting out of Green Bay. Like, this is turning into a football show. But, like, Rodgers in Green Bay, and there's speculation that the Browns are trying to trade for Rodgers. Like, I'm very confused by all this. But <laughs> Well, as we talk about Cleveland, let's talk about Evergreen Podcast, who won there four you go. Communicator Awards. That's right, Evergreen Podcast out of Cleveland. C-Town, baby. Uh, <laughs> and guess what? Guess what? Guess what? What we, Chad? the Chad and Cheese Show, actually won what? What? an award what? of excellence Hell yeah. around an individual episode in the business class. And you're going to love this. The episode was <laughs> Career Builder Smokescreen. <laughs> <laughs> Career Builder uh, is the gift that keeps on fucking giving. Yeah. How apropos that our first real award involves Career Builder. And ripping them a new one. We have a resi. That's just good fun. <laughs> yeah, but this is this is like a real shit. This is like an iHeartRadio ad. This yeah, is like real legitimate big. industry shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's nice. Do we want a cash cash reward for that or anything? Are, are we, <laughs> we going to get a Rolls Royce uh, gift from from Evergreen? Probably not. Yeah, I'm sure they're going to hook us both up with Maseratis. Yeah, probably. Somebody who is getting something delivered is Jennifer Riley, our new uh, whiskey recipient. That's right. Sponsored by Sovereign. Uh, yep. We sent out a bottle of whiskey. They get a Chad's Choice and a Cheese's Choice every month. Jennifer has gotten mine, I think. I think yours is on the way. And we've scheduled a tasting yes, with yes. Robert Ruff of Sovereign for next week. So I, I fire messaged, up for that. I messaged her yesterday and said, congrats. you know. And she said, wait a minute. I have two bottles coming. Joel sent me one, too. And I'm like, that's how we roll. That's how we roll, baby. Twofer. Twofer. Uh, shout out to Facebook for banning Trump. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> or continuing the ban on Trump. And the best hot, the best headline of the week was, uh, I think it was Vice. Uh-huh. It said, uh, Donald Trump has launched his social media platform in quotes, and it's a, just a blog, which I thought was really, <laughs> really funny. <laughs> I think it was funny. He's uh, He's been quoted in saying that press releases are more eloquent than tweets. But uh, they're still full of shit and, and lies overall. But I mean, I yeah. think it's it's hilarious. He loses this flamethrower being Twitter and Facebook and really social media. And, mm-hmm. you know, now he's writing shit on blogs. <laughs> Donald Trump blogger. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Shout out to our buddy Matt Baxter at Wedge. Uh, they raised another round of funding, $1.6 million. Uh, Shout out to them. If you missed their Firing Squad episode, make sure you check that out. Yep. LinkedIn uh, apparently has high Q and continued legal hell. Our uh, judicial system is so fucked up. Whatever happened to Speedy? LinkedIn's just pretty much grinding high Q uh, via time and I'm sure attorney fees at this point. 
Chad, we have the best jur- judicial system that money can buy, and I don't want to hear another word about it. <laughs> yeah. If you got the money, you got the best justice. That's exactly right. <laughs> Just ask OJ. Shout out to listener Michelle Raymond from My G Network. Have you, have you heard of this platform? My G Spot? What? Yeah, pretty close. No, it's called My, <laughs> My G Work, which... Uh, uh, it's it's a LinkedIn network. It's set up just like LinkedIn, but it is for the LGBTQ community, and you it's it's obviously more anonymous. Uh, but we're thinking about having her on during Pride Month to do some educational interviews. We've got a couple of dumb white dudes here, and uh, I think it'd be good to, to to have her on and and help us with pronouns and shit like that. We're doing like a Pride Month series. What what's going on there? Uh, yeah, why not? I mean, just do a series with again two dudes who really need educated. And I think there are many people that are out there today that have these same questions. It's like I don't understand the pronouns. I don't get this. What are these acronyms and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? It's like you know what? Let's go ahead and have the conversations and have those hard conversations out in the open. And have people, you know, answer them and educate us. And hopefully, again, uh, some of our listeners will get educated, too. Yeah. So, by the way, God damn it. So, Joe Lockwood, uh, shout out and apologies. Speaking of people who should be on our June uh, series, if we're doing that. So, sending shit to Europe is always a crapshoot anyway. So, I sent Joe a Uh T-shirt. And who knows when I sent it. I, I could probably look at the postmark. It was probably six <laughs> months ago. And the fucker came back this week. No it had way. A rip, it had a rip in it. So you couldn't see the whole address. So I got to go back to the whole drawing board and send it back to Joe. So Joe, apologies if you're listening. Uh, but God damn it. Sending shit to Europe is like sending it to Mars. Like it's yeah. a total crapshoot. Takes forever. Anyway, so shout out to Joe. Uh, we'll get that shirt back in the mail ASAP. And I'll drop another 30 bucks to send it to Europe or however much it fucking costs. Yeah, I think there. the U.S. postal system after that last fucking idiot that was in charge, uh, I think we're still trying to rebuild it after that. When is Elon Musk going to fix the mail? God damn it. That's, that's a good Screw call. Screw this Martian mission shit. Fix the mail. That's a very good call. We uh, also, also not an award, but we love lists. We're a sucker for lists. We made Fetchers six must-listen-to podcasts for recruiters. Not too shabby. You read it, it's pretty spot on because we're, I think we're right above, uh, uh, what's his name? Brit guy. Uh, Matt Alder. Time, Matt Alder. So, So we're above Alder. And ours is like they break shit and piss people off and and machine gun startups. And then his is like, it's a great listen over a cup of coffee or an, a tea. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, they kind of got that right. So way to go, Fetcher. Very nice. And I'll get Alder right eventually. Damn yeah, it. yeah, I'm sure you will. That Alder. Not so much. Free, free, free. I sound like that one commercial. We're talking about free t-shirts from Emissary. Free t- t-shirts from Emissary. Free beer from Adzuna and free bourbon. That's two bottles of bourbon from Sovereign. And where do you go, Joel? You got to go to chadcheese.com slash free. Put in your info for a chance to win all that shit, folks. Love it. Love it. Uh, Topics? Topics! (laughs) All right. What the fuck is going on at Indeed? You got some scoop. (laughs) So, yeah, I actually received several calls this week, texts, DMs, all this other fun stuff. And mm-hmm. it, 
uh, seems that Indeed's fucking shit up again. Does that surprise anyone? No, no. That's so, weird. During a time when hiring companies cannot get enough candidate traffic to their jobs, Indeed drops another hammer on gig employers. So for most of our listeners who are out there who don't know, we are at the point where there's more budget out there for performance-driven ads than can be spent because candidates are not clicking on the, the jobs. They're not applying, you know, the cost per application, the cost per click, those types of things. So the budgets are huge and they're not being spent. That setting the table for on Monday, Indeed kicked gig-like job postings from companies like Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, Instacart, and all of the other gig-like listings off their general job search and over to gigs.indeed.com. And some hiring companies, some of these companies actually saw a 90% drop in traffic. And remember, they weren't getting the volume they needed in the first place. Demand is high. And I, you got to question the timing. On, I mean, making the switch, you got to question, but the timing on this, this is pretty fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> so, so a few things about this. I want to underscore that you said these folks saw a 90% decrease uh, in traffic. That's going to really hurt uh, the bottom line for them. Uh, the other thing I want to highlight that you said is that there's more budget now than can be spent. There's more budget than can be spent. Yeah. Um, those are two serious like points to highlight. Uh, and those are, those are maybe their own podcasts in and of themselves. But <laughs> when I, so you dropped this on, on us yesterday, I think. Um, and it was sort of cryptic. So I've been trying to like kind of digest what's going on and, and either, either indeed is smarter than everyone else in the room or they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Uh, at all. And I don't know which way I'm leaning uh, other than they don't know what the hell they're doing because we've seen in the last year plus, they throw a ton of spaghetti at the wall. Yeah. They've shut shit down. They've opened up shit. They've renamed shit. They've done all kinds of crazy shit. And this is the latest of crazy shit that they've done. Right. Uber, Lyft, DoorDash. These are some of the few, like of the people that are spending tons of money and have money oh, yeah. to spend, it's these guys. And mm -hmm. to, to fuck them over, makes no sense to me at all other yeah. than we can't provide them the clicks. So let's give them more, less clicks. So where are they going to go? Their our competition. Well, we've, we've been busy buying up the competition. Google doesn't charge yet for traffic. So that's money that could be spent there. That isn't by the yeah. way, Google needs to the Google needs to launch a pay-per-click solution. A stat because yeah. people have money to spend on them and we'll do that. So, I'm a little confused by the whole thing. The phenomenon of nobody's looking, searching for jobs anymore. No one's clicking on jobs. No one's applying to jobs. And that goes back to what we talked about a few weeks ago and continues to be an issue with like, nobody wants to work. People want to buy Bitcoin and play, play, play Xbox and get government checks and stimmies. Um, that's going to run out eventually. But we also have some systemic issues, which we're also going to talk about on the show where, warehouse workers and a lack of supply there. And what's, what are we going to do about that? It's a trillion dollar problem that we're looking down the barrel of. So we got some real workforce issues uh, in our country. And um, indeed is just, I guess, one side note with what's going on. But I just, 
I don't think they know what the hell they're doing over there. They're just throwing shit at the wall, hoping that it sticks. So Indeed is once again crying user experience as the reason for this change because they've been flooded with gig jobs. It's amazing. This makes Indeed's tech team look like a bunch of fucking idiots. Just inept. I mean, seriously, if you think about it, your search tech isn't basic enough to provide users with relevant content. Indeed is basically saying, we have a shitty product and our tech team sucks with this whole change. I mean, I don't know how else anyone can see this. We're talking about providing relevant content. You're saying that you have too many jobs from this segment. It's like, what's pretty fucking simple. If you know how to do search, you should be able to filter in and filter out anything that's relevant or not relevant. So yes, the timing is horrible. This whole user experience angle is bullshit. And and yes, they do have shitty tech. We get that. But what is the play here? Do they see that the gig economy is growing so rapidly and not to mention with Prop 22 and all this other crazy shit that they want to split things off to create two different types of sites so that they can try to monetize even more. Yeah. I don't understand the play other than a long-term play. And this is just really shitty timing. You know, you bring out a really good point in regards to customization and in a world where, you know, TikTok knows exactly what I want to watch. Yeah. And what you watch is totally different than what I watch. Uh, the job board classified industry is, has really dropped the ball on customization of search results. And for the most part, I'm guessing 60 to 70% of Indeed's users are logged in when they're using Indeed um, because they, they kind of force you to do it. They encourage you to do it. If yep. you get job alerts, like they push you to be become a member. And I'm sure a lot of at least 50, 60, 70% are. So if you know someone's logged in, you know their search behavior, you know what they're clicking on, you know what they're looking at uh, for long periods of time, and you ultimately know what kind of jobs that they're looking for that they want. So they shouldn't actually even have to search after a certain period when they go to Indeed. You should know that when you know John Doe goes to Indeed and he's logged in or she's logged in, that this is what they want to see, and you show that to them automatically. We are way far away from that in terms of job search and classifieds. But you great yeah. you bring up a great point that if their tech is so good, they should know that this person never looks at Uber jobs. They never apply to Uber jobs. So we're right. not going to show them Uber, Uber jobs. We're going to stop showing them Uber jobs and show them the jobs that they do want and they, that they do click on and apply to. And they haven't done that. And if anyone should be doing it, it's Indeed. Yep. And we've talked about how shitty their product has been from a search standpoint in a delivery of content, right? And sure. just just uh, emails, right? You you subscribe for, to, to emails and you get a bunch of shit in, in oh, your email. Glassdoor is just as bad. Glassdoor is yeah. worse. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but dropped the ball on one company who seems to have this down, and I don't know, maybe it's a, a, a privacy thing or not, is Facebook. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> so Facebook Workplace, God bless them. They just keep chugging on uh, organically. So Facebook's enterprise platform Workplace, this is their Slack competitor, their team's competitor, uh, claims 7 million paying subscribers. That's quite a bit of paying subscribers. Uh, this is up from 5 million in May of last year. It comes as the company announces new features, including integrations with Microsoft 365 and Google Calendar. Uh, by way of comparison, uh, and this is a little bit sober, 
sobering, but Microsoft claims more than 145 million daily active users mm-hmm. for Teams and Slack passed 12 million daily active users in September of 2019, which has been a while, but it's also the last time they reported that statistic. Um, a representative told CNBC, quote, you could take my mom and put her on workplace and she would understand how to use it immediately, which is how they're sort of saying that they're different from the rest of the guys. Other new features include a new live Q&A experience and a number of new diversity features, including different skin tones for emoji and a feature that allows users to show their colleagues the correct way to pronounce their name, which I think is kind of cool. Cool. Your thoughts. I don't know how enterprise businesses can trust Facebook. No, this is a this is an SMB play for sure. No big Yeah, but they call is. it enterprise. Yeah, that's true. They call it enterprise. So I see this as an amazing SMB play. No question. I, I agree with that. But they are pressing this enterprise piece hard. So I see small businesses using the platform to gain local awareness and business, which I think Facebook has done really well on, on the on the local uh, side of the house. But I don't see how you use this as an enterprise addition for big companies. And they talk about Spotify and they do have some fairly big logos with some some high employee count. From my standpoint, I, I want to do my social on Facebook, but if my business is on Facebook too, can mm-hmm. I ever really get away from it? Yeah, I'm I'm shocked that they have seven million paying subscribers. If they had yeah. if they had, had seven million users that were using a free version of I could believe that, but seven million paying customers. Yeah. Yeah. When you have you have Microsoft and you have Slack, uh, now owned by Salesforce. You have two really competent players. Um, so yeah, to me this is simply small a small business play. How much of a slice they're gonna get out of enterprise, I don't know, but uh, you know, they Facebook continues to iterate and improve this product, so they must believe in it, or at least the the, the overall vision. Um, it is less than one percent of their revenue um, as a company, so it's not really moving the needle in any significant way. So I don't know if it's a bigger piece of of where they're going. Um, you know, if they're going to become more of a enterprise software competitor, are they going to have? spreadsheets on Facebook and uh, PowerPoint on Facebook. I don't know, but it seems like it must be something part of a bigger vision because they keep iterating and it's not a huge part and they have significant competition. It's fun to watch. And I think if they did stick with SMB, they they could get a, a pretty big swath of those businesses. I mean, because again, you know, if, if mom can use it, right. The, the owner, uh, who also has a Facebook account can use, you know, workplace. So I, yeah. I think, I think there's a good transition there from an SMB standpoint, but as an enterprise and working for enterprise organizations, uh, before there's no way in hell, I yeah. would think about trusting Facebook with any of my information at all. No fucking way. Yeah. I'd agree. But if you're a small business, you can post your jobs on Facebook. You can market on Facebook. Oh, you got your workforce chat going on on Facebook. That makes a lot of sense. But Mm -hmm. yeah, enterprise, there must be a bigger picture. Zuckerberg, you mad genius. Or they're just throwing spaghetti at the wall like indeed. (laughs) (laughs) That could be the case. Let's take a break. Okay, listener, how can you help your employees become more productive? I have answers. How about automating 
manual and repetitive tasks, giving meaning to data, then allowing that data to actually drive decisions. And how about matching people to your jobs quicker? Well, wait, the Chat and Cheese has a new LLM? No, Cheeseman, I'm talking about Text Kernel. Ah, okay, that makes more sense. What I'm hearing is the groundbreaking concept of, wait for it, yeah, simplicity. <laughs> seriously, though, seriously. Text kernel cuts through the complexities like a tortilla chip through some hot nacho cheese. Oh, my God. Really? Nacho references already. Anyways, Text uh. kernel brings efficiency and productivity to your operations. Text kernel seamlessly unifies your tools and data to drive efficiencies and success. TextKernel is creating new opportunities for your recruitment journey, kind of like adding guac to my barbacoa burrito. Oh, my God. How about extracting meaningful insights from data? I mean, that, that's something. Swiftly matching yeah. people with jobs, automating repetitive tasks. Who knew such advanced concepts were even possible in the land of human resources? Uh, we did, Chad. We did. Dude, wrap it up. I'm a little hungry. Imagine that. Uh, okay, listener, get ready to use today's tech to drive efficiencies and productivity. Visit textkernel.com. That's T-E-X-T-K-E-R-N-E-L.com. Mmm, nachos. <laughs> you already know that Sovereign makes the world's best resume CV parser, but... Did you know that Sovereign also makes the world's best AI matching engine? Only Sovereign's AI matching engine goes beyond the buzzwords. With Sovereign, you control how the engine thinks. With every match, the Sovereign engine tells you what matched and exactly how each matching document was scored. And if you don't agree with the way it scored the matches, you can simply move some sliders to tell it to score the matches your way. No other engine on earth gives you that combination of insight and control. With Sovereign, matching isn't some frustrating black box, trust us, it's magic, one-shot deal like all the others. No. With Sovereign, matching is completely understandable, completely controllable, and actually kind of fun. Sovereign. Software so human, you'll want to take it to dinner. Make up your mind, corporate America. Open or closed, which is it? Employees just want to know what the fuck is going on. That's right. That's right. So while tech firms such as Microsoft and Twitter have announced plans to allow employees to work from home permanently, Google has resisted going fully remote and employees said there's an increasing sense of frustration among a fraction of the workforce, some threatening to quit. As a result, Google is relaxing its remote work rules for its roughly 140,000 employees and also probably the strongest union in the world, expanding options around how, where, and whether staff return to the office. CEO Sundar Pichai outlined, outlined the new plans in a note to staff this week saying that from September, he expects about 60% of Google staff will work in the office a few days a week, while 20% will be able to relocate to other company sites in other cities, and the remaining 20% can apply to permanently work from home. Google's previous plan required all staff to come into the office three days a week. Google workers will be allowed to work for four weeks per year from a location other than their assigned office. 
is this a fair compromise or is Google going to have to give up a little more power? I think it's it's interesting that we know how productive our teams can be remote, right? We yeah. know that. Yeah. By the way, Google's crushing it. <laughs> and yet we're having problems with this, right? And I just, you know, I said it, I said it already. Employees want to know what the fuck is going on. The anxiety of working from home right out of the gate during COVID uh, was hard, but then they, they got into a productive routine and now that is being overshadowed by the anxiety of what work is going to look like within the next month or two months or three months. Because these employers, they, they can't get their shit together. And I think it's just amazing that we demonstrate, and when I say we, employees, demonstrate just how much autonomy we can take and stay productive. Not everybody can, and it's not for everybody, I get it. But to be able to allow the autonomy in some cases, uh, I think is incredibly smart. So Google is dancing and then we have Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan Chase. Uh, they, they're sticking to a hard and fast rule. We want everybody back in the office. Now, I, I'm not a big fan of that, although that cuts down on anxiety a lot. And if I don't like that idea as being employed by them, I know now I can start looking for another job. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think competition for talent is driving this. And when you look at Google employees, gee, they're kind of smart and they're kind of marketable and they're also able to get a new job tomorrow if they want. So this 140,000 strong group of employees, they have a lot of pull with what the company does. And so this sort of compromise that uh, Sundar is forced to make, um, I think is is driven by the power of the employees, um, which is in contrast to what Amazon, uh, we're seeing with Amazon, but knowledge workers, I think, are on a road to, to being at home whenever they want, working however they wish. Otherwise, they're going to vote with their feet and go work for somebody else, and companies are going to have to deal with that. Uh, it's also, you know, tech companies were the first ones to have casual Friday. Remember when that was like a real progressive uh, power move? Um, so, so culturally, they're sort of they're, they're sort of used to this progressive uh, stance. Big banks, as you mentioned, and I think other companies and industries are, are struggling with it. Uh, so Goldman Sachs has laid the groundwork for its return to the office. Uh, CEO David Solomon informed employees in the U.S. and the U.K. that they should, quote, be in a position to return to the office by June 14th and June 21st, respectively. This was uh, reported by CNN. The move is the first for a major U.S. bank. Meanwhile, Vanguard is planning a hybrid model for its staff, and Citadel aims to have most of its U.S. staff in offices by June 1st. Uh, J.P. Morgan Chase also recently announced plans to have half of its employees back in the office by July CEO Jamie Dimon, your buddy, uh, told the Wall Street Journal uh, CEO Council that he's, quote, done with Zoom. So different cultures, you're going to have different results. Yeah. And I think the, I think the key word there is culture. Uh, and that's what many companies are actually going to be citing mm -hmm. to get control. Yeah. And they should. That's really the main argument they have to do it culture. It, well, it's culture, but it, I think that is just really a hidden reason. It's more oh, sure. around control. Uh, now, if you're looking at main, you know, mainly entry level and they do need to learn the ropes and you need managers to be able to do that, uh, you know, obviously there's some hybrids that you could work into or it's 100% at, you know, at, at the office. That is going to be a, a culture scenario. But when you're talking about 
individuals who have been experienced and in a productive role for even before COVID, right? And they were able to push through that in COVID. I don't see the reasoning behind it by saying culture because you're taking choice away from the employee, right? So overall, overall, I think it's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, and also for everybody who's out there who didn't listen to the interview with Seth Fight, who is a global VP of talent over Charter Communications, not a small company, uh, look for the vaccine uh, vaccinations, wages, and hybrid work podcast that we put out this week. That was That was a great discussion. Yeah. Yeah. The answer to all of your questions, Chad, is money. Uh, So culture is a culture sounds really great, but it's all about, holy shit, we spent how much on leases? Let's get people back to work. Yeah, but that's short term. I don't believe that at all. That's short term. And and you can renegotiate that. And I mean, some of these companies have bought real estate. And so that's Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan. I mean, what they spend on real estate, that's a fucking drop in the bucket, for God's sakes. And they can they, they can hardcore court fucking press, full court press, any real estate organization. Yeah. I think if you're moving up, if you're starting your career, you're looking to advance, there's really no replacement for being there and having FaceTime with your boss and the people who are going to promote you. So I'm, I'm just curious long-term how this will play out in terms of the demographics of who goes in and who's at the office versus who isn't. Because my, my expectation is that people have, have kind of become comfortable, are going to be the ones that are at home and the ones that want to like work their work their way up are going to be the ones on the ground uh, doing the work in the office. But time yeah. will tell. I think, I think employers have to remember one thing is that you're dealing with humans and we have only one of these things, one, only one of these lives on this blue earth. One and life. if the U.S., it continues to play this, you know, live to work instead of Mm -hmm. work to live scenario, they're going to be, they're going to be in the same issue uh, that some of these companies are are going to be faced with, with uh, organizations like Basecamp, people ejecting because they can't talk about what they want to talk about, you know, in the office. Yeah. It's a great time to go poaching on Basecamp right about now. Uh, So more than more than one third of Basecamp's 57 employees resigned after CEO Jason Fried announced that, quote, societal and political discussions, end quote, would no longer be allowed on the company's internal chat forums. Behind the scenes, Fried had been dealing with an employee reckoning over a longstanding company practice of maintaining a list of funny customer names, some of which were Asian and African in origin. The internal discussion over that list had been oriented primarily around making Basecamp feel more inclusive to its employees and customers. But Fried and his co-founder, David Heinemeyer Hansen, gee, is that the widest name you've ever heard, had been taken (laughs) back by an employee post, which argued that mocking customer names laid the foundation for racially motivated violence and closed the thread. They also disbanded an internal committee of employees who had volunteered to work on issues related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. So should political speech be allowed in the workplace or should employees just shut up and dribble? (laughs) It's a pretty weak move by a tech company who, you know, if you're in and around Silicon Valley, everything's open. We want to hear what you have to say. You know, it's one of those things until we don't. And and that's the thing is that you've had 
individuals uh, over the years who were who were you know of the LGBTQ uh, of color or what have you, they've had to put up with this shit for years, for hundreds of years, right? And now you get a couple of white guys who are uncomfortable and they want to shut it down. My my response to that is fuck you. The the uncomfortableness of life is what we deal with everywhere. And if you cannot manage and lead these types of discussions and 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 use those DEI ERGs or what have you to be able to 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 do the right thing through your employees and through your leadership, you shouldn't be in fucking control. Yeah, I, I think two things on this. One is, you know, that there was a time in the world where, you know, you punched a clock and from nine to five, you were at work. And the the mentality of like, when you're at work, you work. And when you go home, you do whatever the hell you want, right? But when you're at work, you're working. You're not doing anything other than working. Well, over the last 10, 15, 20 years, work follows us everywhere. And work based on, uh, you know, technology or whatever it is, like work follows us everywhere. So to think that these issues aren't going to start bleeding into the workplace is just stupid because it's going to happen. So to me, it's like the world has changed. This is a dynamic that is going to be real for companies, whether big or small. And this is a small company. This is 60 people. Um, This is something that you're going to have to grapple with. The other take on this is that you can't have it both ways. And, and you made a great point in terms of like, look, people, uh, you know, diverse people have been taking it for a long time and just biting their tongue or not saying anything. And apparently, you know, the founders of this company, or at least one of the founders was really active with some really far right uh, sharing of like Breitbart articles on these forums and talking about really conservative issues. So you can't, as a founder, you know, put out conservative ideas and opinions and not expect your workers to express opinions that are diverse to yours, that counter yours to come out. And it's actually a pretty healthy thing, but you can't have it both ways. You can't tell, you can't tell workers, we're not talking about this. You can't shut off commentary on their forums when you're actually doing that as well. So yeah, times have changed and you can't have it both ways. And then your points are well taken as, as well. Agreed. Agreed. And and as we talk about punching the clock, we're having issues with factory workers in this country, which you I, I would never think that we would be saying because we outsourced and all of these factories shut down. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. And, and now and now we have a need for factory workers and factories are struggling to find skilled workers for specialized roles such as welders, machinists. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the list goes on. So, yeah. You know, what what the fuck's going on here? Yeah. So let me set the table here. Uh, and I, th- I think we both have some some interesting insights. So demand for goods is skyrocketing in the U.S. as the U.S. economy reopens from the pandemic. But we have a big problem. Like you mentioned, American factories can't find enough people to do the work. Uh, U.S. manufacturing surged to a 37 year high in March. But the industry has more than a half million job openings. Factories are struggling to find skilled workers for specialized roles such as welders and machinists. Manufacturers are even having trouble hiring entry-level positions that do not even require any skills. 
As many as 2.1 million manufacturing jobs will be unfilled through 2030, according to a study published Tuesday by Deloitte and the Manufacturing Institute. The report warns that worker shortage will hurt everyone or revenue production and could ultimately cost the U.S. economy up to $1 trillion by 2030. Interestingly, uh, manufacturing executives say part of the problem is that many young Americans just don't want to work in factories in part because of fears about robots taking over and jobs getting shipped overseas. A couple takes I have on this, uh, you know, and, and age is a nice thing in some ways because we can look uh, retrospectively on this. But you and I being kids in the 70s, like manufacturing used to be a proud position. I mean, I can remember uh, whether it be advertisements, the Build America, Buy America slogans that sort of brought pride. And like you said, things got offshored. Um, over the years, and that that hurt the image. I think of uh, honest days work, honest days pay. I think that immigration and not having immigrants or closing the border to immigrants has been a huge mistake uh, strategically and economically. And immigration, we're talking about like one percent of the country. We're making such a big deal out of that, uh, like three million or four million people that that immigrate. Uh, here legally every year. I think that the perspective of I don't want to I don't want to get a job in a factory or an industry because a robot's just going to take it in a few years is fascinating to me. And I also think that just the the phenomenon of if you're a blue collar worker, you're a loser. I'm not exactly sure when that happened, but it did. And I think that we have to dig ourselves uh, out of that brand. Um, I think we need to lift up trade schools and community college. I know the, you know, pitching uh, community college as free or paid for by the government is kind of interesting when you look at this issue. And it like, we need to teach people that it's okay that you don't have to be a webmaster or a TikTok star uh, to be accepted in, in this world. And that's a big challenge to overcome. Agreed. I, and again, looking back when we were in school, we had vocational options in high school. My uh, cousin went through, he was, he was an electrician, right? He was ready to be an electrician, pop right out uh, after high school. We had welders, uh, construction, I mean, all of that. You could go the college prep route, which is what I did, or you can go the other route. And, and that was not something that you, you look down on. And the companies locally pipelined those workers right into right into their organizations right out of the gate right they were even pretty much like interning doing half days with many of those companies they had a job before they even had a, uh, were out of high school and so I, I think what we did in this country is we started forcing kids into thinking that college was the only way to go and we we're forcing them into debt and creating the academic industrial complex that we know today. Um, but college isn't for everyone. I think overall, the factories themselves, uh, they know where the problems lie and they need to fix them. They need to start working with local high schools, building programs. Here in Columbus, Indiana, we have a, a vocational high school still that connects because Cummins Engine Company. So we need to have those vocational programs, those tech schools, et cetera, et cetera. And we should be also modeling, and I say this a lot, after the US military, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines. When you were in high school, remember when they would set up in the cafeteria and they were coming in and they were recruiting and they were letting you know what they had to offer? These are the same things that they should be doing, these companies should be doing. They should be working directly 
with the schools here, tech, uh, and also with the with the the local community colleges. Yeah, and I think you know you, you mentioned pipelining both by the the military and and companies as well, but. There, there was a day where pipelining happened within families and, yeah. you know, grandpa worked at the factory and dad worked at the factory and now I'm going to be funneled into the factory. And we had a situation in our country where, oh shit, I saw dad get laid off or I saw grandpa, you know, lose his pension. And there's a whole generation of folks that are like, I'm not touching that profession with a 10 foot pole. And that still lives with us today. And it's yeah. unfortunate. Well, and, and the union busting and all that shit that happened, bad memories, We'll be right back. As the best ad tool in the industry, JobAdX has been providing job board publishers, direct employers, agencies, RPOs, and staffing firms, dynamic job bidding and real-time ad delivery through our programmatic job advertising exchange. When we started, we described JobAdX as AdSense for jobs. Now, we offer much more with Switchboard and LiveAlert, completing our full suite of dynamic programmatic advertising tools with the best of consumer ad tech. Switchboard offers our dynamic technologies to all partner job board feed management. And LiveAlert eliminates latency and expired job ads via email. For more information about any of our ad solutions, please reach out to us at joinus at jobadx.com. That's joinus at jobadx.com. JobAdX, the best ad tool providing smarter programmatic for all your advertising needs. You, you've seen Gung Ho, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so one for the kids out there. If you haven't seen Gung Ho, uh, Ron Howard movie starring Michael Keaton, do yourself a favor based on our last topic and, and watch that. It's funny as well as sort of insightful in terms of where we've come with factory exactly. employment. So yeah, Chad's favorite grocery, tra- grocery chain, Kroger, is testing drone delivery. Testing will begin this week near its Kroger Marketplace store in Centerville, Ohio, between Cincinnati and Dayton. The flights will be managed by licensed pilots with Kroger's partner, Drone Express. Customer deliveries are scheduled to begin later this spring, and a second pilot is scheduled to launch this summer at a store in California, where Kroger operates its Ralph's subsidiary. The testing comes after Kroger's e-commerce sales hit $10 billion last year, and the company begins ramping up its home delivery service aimed at doubling that figure by the end of 2023. So Chad, are you ready for drone delivered barbecue sauce to go with your autonomous roadster pizza deliveries? Yeah, this is going to be interesting. I, I, I'm not sure how the FAA actually works into this or, or what have you. We have an airport, a local airport here. So I think, I think it'll be interesting on how it actually rolls out. If you take a look at, and, and we'll actually have, um, this article on the website, you'll be able to read it. And you'll also be able to see a video of how Kroger currently has an Amazon, like, you know how their warehouse has a bunch of robots uh, doing fulfillment. Kroger has that exact same thing doing fulfillment for groceries. It is incredibly cool and weird at the same time. And they get all the groceries ready for um, actual truck delivery. So a human gets in the truck and they, they actually deliver, deliver the goods. Uh, but now they're talking about the actual, the, the actual drones. Really, at the end of the day, what we're looking at here is what we already see in Kroger's and Target's and, and retail all over the place is the death of cashiers with checking your own shit out, right? 
uh, this is just going to start to take a lot of those positions. Now, you know, does that mean they these individuals could prospectively move up into more technical positions? I don't know, but I guarantee you one thing: that sorry motherfucker, the CEO of Kroger, who earns fourteen million dollars a year, is going to give himself a fucking pay bump. Yeah, it doesn't hurt that it, uh, e-commerce sales hit ten billion uh, last year. What, to speaking of. Speaking of talent crunch, I was I was really intrigued by this story because they're they they're managed by licensed pilots, drone pilots. So these aren't like pilot pilots. No, these drone pilots are different. So okay, so there's going to be a whole profession. Yes, coming up of people piloting drones, and that'll be a high paid profession. So maybe all these cashiers can just get licensed in drone flying. Um, and make a mint there. But yeah, I'm ready for my barbecue sauce to show up on my deck with a drone. <laughs> I'm ready for that. Yeah, I, Julie does Instacart all the time. So, I mean, we have groceries land at the at the front door, right? It's an actual human being doing it. But I mm-hmm. mean, it's it's the same kind of scenario. It's just cutting the human out of the, out of the supply chain. Yeah. So we've got drones in the sky delivering food and we have little roadsters delivering uh, pizza from Domino's and other places. So you know what won't be in the streets? Security. Uh, The NYPD have ended their contract worth $94,000 with robot dog creator and our favorite tech company, Boston Dynamics, after a fierce backlash over its use in New York City. The government, a government spokesperson told ABC New York, quote, it's creepy, alienating and sends the wrong message to New Yorkers, end quote. I, I see it as the militarization of robots. I mean, it's like the steady step as we see our local police officers actually receive like they, they have armored personnel carriers and shit mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> There's this militarization of our local police and something like this, this robo dog, it does nothing but press more of that sentiment. So I hope there are other applications for this, for this dog, because I think it's the coolest fucking thing in the world. But yeah, I think it's 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 a good idea to get rid of it. Yeah. So after you watch Gung Ho, watch RoboCop uh, in your 80s uh, movie <laughs> movie thon But yeah, one of the one of the, the the takes on this, which I think we we don't appreciate as as white dudes, is that for for people of, of diverse, particularly black Americans, you know, the dog represents oppression and violence against, um, you know, their neighborhood. So in the 60s, you had German shepherds. Obviously, at the hip with with police um, controlling crowds. So that is a perspective that I, I don't think a lot of people thought of when they said, "Let's put robo dogs in the street uh, next to policemen." But I also think that this is this is gonna eventually be a thing. Now, whether it looks like a dog or it looks like four wheeler or it looks like whatever a drone. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know, but look. I just don't think it's going to be in the form of a dog. It'll be in the form of a poodle, maybe. Maybe that's less threatening. <laughs> I don't know. If they did it as a chihuahua, nothing. <laughs> this wouldn't be an issue. This would not be an issue. Yeah, so the one big digit dog, it's like 10 little chihuahuas. We, we out. out. Thank you for listening to, what's it called? A podcast. The Chad. The Cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Just a lot of shout-outs of people you don't even know. And yet, you're listening. It's incredible. And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue. Nacho. Pepper Jack. Swiss. There's so many cheeses. And not one word 
So weird. Anywho, be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way, you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chatcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. It's so weird. We out! You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.